the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Salvation. It is a desperate need for every human being. Salvation from our own sin and the consequences of that sin. We're looking at the answer coming up today here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose and online at reformedheritage.org. This is Abounding Grace. Hi, welcome to our broadcast. We're back in Romans today, continuing our amazing journey through this fascinating book. We're in chapter 10 today, looking at verses 8 through 13, call upon the Lord. Now that is the call and the command, and that's what we're looking at here today. Won't you join us? Here's Pastor Gary with today's Abounding Grace. So, our Father here says, I have a treasure for you. It is a treasure you can't ever exhaust. It is a treasure you possess, even if you're suffering. Because if you believe in me while you are suffering and endure your affliction, it is just mere gold in the treasury of faith that you will enjoy one day with me. And what is this treasure? What is this gospel pearl? I will forgive you. All your transgressions, I will blot them out. I will throw them behind my back. I will not remember them anymore. You are filthy. I will cleanse you. You're weak. I will be your God. I give you the one thing you must have to enjoy fellowship with me. I will give you righteousness because I'm giving you my righteous one. I have given to you my son, and he has done what you could not do. He has obeyed me perfectly. He has obeyed me perfectly not for himself because he didn't need to. He was already perfect. He obeyed me perfectly for you, as your mediator, so look to believe in him, be forgiven, and be declared righteous before him. That's what this passage teaches. It shows us in very clear terms, and so clear a child can understand it, that God says, I will give you righteousness. I will save you. So let us not be hard-hearted. Let's rejoice and let us worship the Lord. Even if we have been believers for many years, we need to grow in love for Him. And how do we grow in love for Him? Well, we can follow our feelings. Things are, there are a lot of emotional, needy people in the churches today because so much of the attention of our society says, look at yourself. Look at your feelings. What do you need? What do you lack? How are you inadequate? The Lord says, no, look to me. 
If you want to grow in love for me and therefore overcome your impure loves, because we will never beat impure loves unless we have a stronger love that beats it out. If you want to overcome your worldliness, you're going to have to know my love for you. So that instead of being content with scraps, you will have the treasure of my kingdom. So we need to think again on this gospel, to love this gospel, to worship God for his mercy and his grace for us in our Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse 10, after having looked at it last week, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He doesn't leave yet this idea of faith and confession. But before we look at that, notice the opening line in verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. This is perhaps the simplest line in all of Scripture to show how we are made right with God. God makes a promise. He says, I'll give you righteousness. We believe that promise. We trust that God is true and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. We trust his promise. And he gives us the righteousness of his son, which is not dependent upon our words, our feelings, or our decisions. It is a promise that he has made to us. And so we believe him and he declares us to be righteous. The obedience of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is imputed to us, credited to us, or charged to our account as if it were ours. And it is ours, because we are one with our head, Jesus Christ. So if we are to be made righteous before God, if we are to have God's favor, it doesn't come through moralism. There are all kinds of preaching today about moralism. If you want to have a happy life, follow these steps. Now, it's true that there are certain things God's Word teaches that if we don't do them, we will be miserable. And if we do them, we will be blessed. But at the heart of them all, at the foundation of all of them, there is one thing we need before God can smile upon us. And that need is righteousness. So he says to us, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Notice he didn't say it's in the brain. True religion is not facts fleeting around in the head. Many smart theologians will be in hell forever, I promise you, for having a head full of knowledge but a cold heart. Because true religion takes root in the heart. When God gives us a new heart, takes away our heart of flesh and puts his word there so that we receive the love of the truth that we may be saved. And what is faith? What is this believing? Don't be deceived on this point. Believing is not sitting there and saying, yeah, that preacher really put it together today. That's not believing. That is critiquing a performer. Or that preacher really dropped the ball this Sunday. Same thing. 
Believing is when we look at the Lamb of God directly and say, you are my only Savior. You are my only righteousness. I reject all others, cults, Romanist. They're all false because they all put the focus back on me. What do I need? What I need to feel. The experience that I, I need to have. No, there is the Lamb of God at the right hand of the Father, crucified, raised from the dead, reigning at the right hand of the Father, ready to save. And faith runs to Him, rests upon Him, calls upon Him, believes His promises, and then receives righteousness through God's promise to us. Now he adds there in verse 10 again, a confession. And this is a follow-up from verse 9, but we need to see this clearly. It's almost as if he says, one of the first buds, one of the first blooms of the flowers of faith is confession. It's not like there's faith and then there's confession, and you go one plus one, and that equals justification and salvation. No, in good Old Testament form. He's simply setting these things in parallel with one another so that we understand the fullness of this work of faith. You see, there are many people in our day who say things like, well, religion is a private affair of the heart. I don't have much use for the institutional church. It's enough for me just to believe in that good old man up in the sky. Or I even believe that Jesus was the Son of God, but I don't want anything to do with the church. I don't want anything to do with baptism. I don't want anything to do with public confession. You see, the Holy Spirit here shows us how to distinguish true from false faith. And where God plants the seed of faith, the lips open to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's why John said, no one can confess Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Because whenever God brings us to the place where we cast ourselves upon the Lord Jesus, we say, you are my only Savior. It's not an intellectual flip of the switch. I mean, you're never, for example, when you men go and do your switch box in your house and You turn the switch on or you turn it off or you put in a new breaker. When you're finished, you never say, hallelujah, get on the ground, praise God. But you see, when God plants faith in your heart, that is exactly what comes out. We want to praise God for his mercy. We want to tell other people the great things that God has done for our souls. Because we are like the demoniac. We are like the ones for whom he has cast out the demons of sin. So what do we do when he casts out those demons? Do we just sit there and say, hey, really? I've I've actually been good all the time. I've really been a good person all my life, but God's just kind of helped me along the margins to clean up the edges. No, 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 no. When we come to taste 
that the Lord is gracious, like Peter said, we confess. We confess that Jesus is Lord. Think of just three examples in Scripture. Remember Jesus with the disciples, was, he was asking them several questions like, who do men say that I am? And, and really, that's a strange question. Because Jesus always knew who men said that he was. But he was drawing from them a necessary aspect of discipleship, a necessary fruit of faith, which is confession. Well, some say, you're Elijah. Some say, one of the other prophets. And then Jesus looked at them and said, but whom do you say that I am? Forget the blind masses. Whom do you say that I am, Peter? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He believed it in his heart, and he confessed it with his mouth. Then Jesus followed up and said, You are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood, seminaries and philosophers, educators and politicians have not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. Do you remember the blind man that Jesus healed in John 9, who ends up putting the Pharisees on trial because they snidely asked, how did he heal you? The blind man said, I already told you. Do you want to become disciples? The Pharisees answered, you fool. We know God spoke through Moses, but we don't know where this man came from. This blind man said, well, here's a strange thing. You don't know where he came from, but he has opened my eyes. Now, here is a man who didn't even know for sure who Christ was yet, but he said, here's a strange thing. From the beginning of the world, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of someone who, had, who was born blind. If this man were not of God, he could not do such a thing. So they cast out the blind man. They excommunicated him from the synagogue. He went on to the temple, and the Lord found him there and said, Do you believe on the Son of God? His first question to him, do you believe on the Son of God? And what did he say? Who is he, Lord, that I may believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, you have both seen him, and it is he that speaks to you. And what did the man say? Ha, that's great. I've got my own private religion now. No, no. He said, Lord, I believe. And then he worshipped him. Later on, when Philip was preaching in the desert to the Ethiopian eunuch, the eunuch had been reading Isaiah 53, and he asked, Who is this about? The Lord, of course, sent Philip to him, and Philip shared who it is about and went through Isaiah 53 with him. I'm sure that was probably a wonderful sermon Philip preached to him that afternoon. And the man said, Here's a little pool of water by the side of the road in the desert. What prevents me from being baptized? For I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of sinners. So Philip baptized him. Now what's the point? Where faith is real, confession flows. 
And it's not because we get all worked up and enthused. Okay, I've got to go and tell the world now. And that is a good thing to do. Now, there does need to be, and we want to be enthusiastic for our Savior, but it's because this is God's work, not ours. Faith is His. And when He plants it in our hearts and we start panting for Christ and holding on to Christ, confession just flows. So if you want to be known as a Christian and you want to have, let's say, a funeral like that of a Christian, please do not think to yourself, well, I'll get that kind of reputation or I'll get that kind of funeral if I'm just known as a good person. And and I say a few nice things, you know, about God every Christmas and Easter. No, 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 no. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, confesses unto salvation. These two things you cannot separate. They are two sides of the same coin. Faith, confession. You might say, well, Lord, I've made a profession of faith. I'm glad. And that encourages me. Because he who will not confess me before men, I will not confess him before my Father in heaven. But sometimes... What happens to us when we've been believers for a long time? It seems like our mouths have been sewn shut when it comes to talking to others about Christ. We're just not doing much confessing anymore. Of course, you can always know why our lips are silent. And that's because the heart is cold. Because one Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So how do I get a warm heart again? You've got to come back to the gospel soil. You've got to come back and see the glory of Christ and love him and organize your life and your time so that you're not so filled with unending activities where you're meeting yourself coming and going and your vehicle seems to be your best friend because you spend so much more time with it than anything else or your television or your computer or your phone. No, I need to have some time to have my heart plowed up. I need to be attentive and focused on the Lord's day better because if I don't, my heart is going to grow cold. Jesus said, the love of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this life, choke it out. Jesus said this in Matthew, because iniquity will abound, the love of many will wax cold. We live in an age of abounding iniquities. Things that were just whispered about when I was a kid are now Simply public affair. And not just sexual things, but lies and deceit and tyranny. Iniquity is abounding. And we have to remember, we're not just bodies. We can think these things will just bounce off us as long as I've got my food and I've got a phone and my computer. I'll be okay. And the soul of the righteous man is vexed by these things. We feel these things very deeply. 
And even if we are not in a place where we have tons of opportunities to speak of the gospel, if we love God's glory, our hearts are going to be burdened by all the iniquity that we see around us. So what do we have to do? Well, we have to guard our hearts because we know that sin is increasing and flaunted. It's attractive to our children. You know, one of the most attractive things to children and adults alike is nice people who practice a loose religion. And when your children get out of the world and start working a little bit, they're going to run into all kinds of people, for example, who don't see anything wrong with sleeping with their boyfriend or girlfriend, and even to get an abortion if the young woman becomes pregnant. After all, it's not really a human life until after the first trimester, right? This even happens with young people who grow up in faithful churches. So it's like, wait a minute. How does this happen? How is there such a disconnect? It is because we don't guard our hearts when we see the iniquity and the sinfulness and the perversity of the world increasing. And if we don't guard our hearts and run to the Lord and ask him to heal us. We become influenced by these things. Even if we don't really recognize it. But you say, no, no. I can take it in. It's okay. I can listen to some foul language. I can go here. I can be with these people. I can listen to some crude jokes. I can practice a little loose religion. And still have Jesus as my buddy. But brothers and sisters, walking with the Lord is not a trip to great America where you get to pick your ride and go wherever, wherever you want to go and eat whatever you want to eat. And then at the end of the day, you can always say, but I'm a good person and this person is a nice person and Jesus is a nice person. So everyone is happy, Right? which is basically just a real trite way of saying, I can do what I want to do, and as long as I'm happy with it, you better not say anything against me. But that's not how a disciple lives. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you love me, follow your feelings. He didn't say, if you love me, follow the spirit of the age. He didn't say, if you love me, find the easiest possible discipleship you can find that fits in with what you want to do, and then go there. He said, no, if you love me, keep my commandments. So how do we get a warm heart again? You've got to keep going to the Savior. We have to keep loving the gospel, growing in knowledge of him, pouring over his word, meditating on it. Do you think on these things? I've told you now for 18 years, and other men have said in our classrooms, and even before you came here, you've been hearing it all your life. Why? Because if we are not growing in love for Christ, and in grace, and in knowledge, we are sinking into coldness. There is no stagnation for us. There is no equilibrium about, well, 10 years ago, I had a great experience with God. Oh, I must be okay now, right? No, if we're not 
growing, then we are shrinking. If our hearts are not being warmed by the gospel, they're getting cold. And cold hearts mean a closed mouth. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.